This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blood Red podcast. I'm your host today, Connor Dunn, and I'm joined by three wonderful young journalists. And I'll start with the oldest of the three. Yes, correct. Am, am I Fresh in? from hair and makeup at Liverpool FC yeah, TV. Yeah, sure. How are you? Um, feeling very... Um, very done up today for the cameras for a change um, feeling good yeah and, and I like the fact that you put me in the young bracket there I'll take that yeah of course another young journalist and the youngest of the three is Kiva O'Neill how are you Kiva? very young <laughs> so young in fact really young um, but what I wanted to say is we need a makeup artist we're on yeah. camera people are watching us so we can all look as good as Paul yeah that's not possible Oh, Jason McAteer in here, giving me the compliments again, like last time. Cute. And Theo, how are you? I'm okay. Good. Just, just okay. Also young? Also young, a bit grey-haired, a few more than the rest of the desk, but yeah. Cool. Well, you we fo- shall crack on. Because Liverpool recorded another win in the Premier League. It was 18 Premier League wins in a row, which equals Manchester City's all-time top-flight winning record. But they made hard work of it. Theo and Gorsty, you were both in the press box at Anfield. Um, well, what did you make of it? A lot more difficult than it had to be, really. Um, <clears throat> when I seen the West Ham lineup, when he, he basically left £40 million worth of striker in Sebastian Haller on the bench and uh, Mikel Antonio, the, the jack of all trades, if you like, was up front. He loves playing against Liverpool, though, doesn't he? He, he does, <laughs> to be fair, yeah. I mean, he's a decent player, doesn't he? He can play in a number of positions, but... I thought pretty much this David Moyes reverting to type, setting a stall out for a, maybe a 5-5 and he's not going to commit men forward. And as soon as Liverpool got the opening goal, I thought, OK, well, there's the nerve settle. This is going to be maybe three or four, quite a comfortable night. There haven't been that many of them for Liverpool. But uh, the equaliser came then, a bit of, bit of a jolt. And uh, to be fair to West Ham, they, they really did have a go. And not many teams have... I, I think only Tottenham actually have taken the lead against Liverpool at Anfield. Liverpool haven't been behind in the game since Aston Villa in the Premier League, which is way back in November. November the second, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It sounds about right. So that that just shows you how well West Ham played. Um, but you never really think that Liverpool are going to lose the year. And at no point did I think about you know writing the match verdict that I'm going to have to re- report on another defeat. I'm going to have to start writing that Liverpool have lost and the, the invincible tag is gone because they're just so strong mentally. And as soon as the Equaliser went in, you thought, OK, Liverpool are going to win this, and, and sure enough, they did. But once again, it was a hard-fought victory, and I think, it, I think results, well, I think performances like this just make a mockery of this idea that the league is just, you know, 19 bluffers and, and one good team in it, because everyone's in it right until the very end against Liverpool, and Liverpool are running away with it. It just shows how strong they are mentally, and the fact that this uh, paucity of quality is probably uh, quite exaggerated. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the way it's going to be probably from now on out to the end of the season, or at least until they win it, Kiva. The fact that Liverpool are going to be faced with every team treating this like they want to be the first team to beat Liverpool. It's a really tough game, every single game, no matter who lines up against you. And at the end of the day, they're Premier League quality players. Did you at any point think that Liverpool were going to lose that match or even come away with a share of the spoils? No, I didn't. Actually, even when we went behind, there was a bit of a... I was on the cop for the game and there was a bit of a, a change in energy. There was kind of like, a, oh no, this could be that moment when we actually get defeated. But then it quickly rallied and I've not, I haven't felt an energy like that, especially after um, Salah's goal. The energy then, like, you know, Sadio Mane will go down as the who scored the winning goal, but it was the cop 
pretty much, you know, it was one of them feelings where it's just a baptism of fire, a whirlwind. It was like a storm and Liverpool just called it home, the, the fans. Um, I just think the you can't ever rule this Liverpool team out. It was similar to the Norwich game. I think that goal came towards the end, didn't it? And you kind of thought... Is it gonna come? You sort of question it, and then say, like, "Oh no, go on, they've there scored again." There it is. There We're all right. <laughs> so it is. I mean, I feel sorry for Paul's had to write about a about a million wins. That must be getting boring for you, Paul. Yeah, but uh, twenty six wins and a draw. It's best than the alternative, isn't it? Writing about them getting beat. Definitely. You think we're all young journalists, as you've already pointed out. We've grown up with Manchester United basically doing this. You think you're wanting them to drop points and they'll get late winner after late winner. It's quite refreshing for it to be on the other side now in Liverpool to be the team that are doing it. Um, I think I put in our live doc, um, but we prompted Liverpool goal here. It's like, is this going to be the night lucky Liverpool run out of luck? And as soon as I finished typing it, the goal went in. <laughs> so it's just one of those Liverpool always find a way. It's remarkable and it's testament to the character. I think Jürgen Klopp's come out and said it started from winning the Champions League, beating Barcelona. It gave them such belief that they never know when they're beaten. And it's just week in, week out. It doesn't matter who they're playing. It can be West Ham. It can be Manchester City. They normally get the result done. Uh, I'll say normally, just because we've seen what happened in Madrid the other week. Hopefully they can uh, make amends for that uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to come back to the point you made in a minute, Kiva, about the Anfield crowd. But Faye, I'll just stick with you for a minute, obviously, because we had a little discussion before this podcast. Obviously, there was goals from Ronaldo, Salah and Mane. Salah and Mane, obviously, we spoke about them in the podcast before. They love facing West Ham and they got their goals. Maybe a bit fortunate with Fabianski of Salah, but in the end, as you say, Liverpool always found a way. Um, an opportunity was knocking for a certain navigator last night. Um, the jury seems to be well and truly out on him. What did you make of his performance? Because there's some people who say he hasn't got enough minutes or his, there's so many stats about him that say he's a great player, but, you know, there is definitely some schools of thought here. This was his opportunity. Jordan Henderson is out injured. Liverpool needed their midfield to stand up and be counted. Jurgen Klopp has said in the past, Naby Keita needs minutes. Give him minutes, you'll see his quality. He, he did nothing. It was an awful performance for him. He didn't contribute anything at all. Liverpool looked so much better when Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain came on. His very first touch was a shot from 30 yards that only just went wide. The next one, I think he was being pulled back by Mark Noble. And it's like, well, this is the difference Liverpool needed. And you look at Naby Keita and it's like, do we run out of time with him now? Do we run out of patience? Because coming to the end of his second season now, and apart from like the odd month here and there, what has he contributed? He's a 50, 60 million pound midfielder and he's not performing like one. And it's all very well saying he needs minutes to get those opportunities, but they're not going to come consistently if when he gets his chance, he plays like that. Um, there are players that just aren't suited to English football. I think um, Luis Alberto at the moment, he's probably one of the best playmakers in Syria. Obviously, when he was at Liverpool, he did nothing. Uh, if we're thinking further back uh, to, say, Manchester United, they had Juan Sebastian Verón, one of the best midfielders to come out of Argentina. Argentina didn't do it in the Premier League at all. But every European night, that was his night. and He was good in Europe. Maybe Naby Keita can stake a claim for the Champions League games. He's always done well in Europe for Liverpool. He's just not doing it in the Premier League. And is it really enough? I don't think it is. Yeah, fair enough. Would you agree with that assessment, Gorsi? And talk a little bit specifically about how I think Oxley Chamberlain totally changed the <clears throat> dynamic for Liverpool. Yeah. Added a lot of impetus in the game, pace, and just exactly what Liverpool needed. Yeah, no, undoubtedly it was it was Oxley Chamberlain's night over Keita's, wasn't it? But <clears throat> thinking about Keita, just as, as Theo was talking, and. Liverpool had a bid rejected in June 2017 for Keita, their first bid. So it was someone who Jürgen Klopp was desperate to have um, and Liverpool pursued him for a long time and waited a long time before they 
could actually sign him. They agreed that deal in August. Like I said, that year they need for him to come the following summer. So Liverpool fans have waited a long time for Keita to arrive, and in many ways, they still are. You're still waiting for that consistent run. Every time he, he seems to build up a head of steam, there's a little nick or an injury here and there that, that pulls him back. And it's how how much how much longer do you give him? It's difficult. I've just been speaking to, to someone else there, and um, they actually said if you offered me Jack Grealish, I'd, I'd, I'd swap him. And, and I'm I'm thinking myself. If Liverpool were to get what they paid for Navigator this summer, fifty-two and a half million, and you'd guarantee that that was going to go on another central midfielder, would you take it? And I'm thinking, quite possibly, because um, we're still waiting for this almost mythical player that, that was promised for so long, and we've seen him fits and starts, and he's obviously a talented player, and he's still quite young. But um, is it enough for for fifty million pound? I'm not sure at the moment. Um, it's going to be a big two or three months for him. I'd suggest. I think it's difficult, like Paul mentions, the injuries have always sort of curtailed any good run of form he's had. I think we saw that head of steam you were talking about with the Barcelona injury. I think it's hard for him because Liverpool's midfielders are like almost at their peak in their careers. You find in Henderson, Wijnaldum and Fabinho all, you know, I know Fabinho is still finding his feet after his, his injury, but you feel like they're all, you know, the best at the minute in you know for Liverpool it was kind of similar to when Gerrard left and Henderson had to feel, fill that it's kind of like you know it was always going to be hard for Keita coming in taking on the number 8 anyway added pressure and then he hasn't had that run and it is kind of like you just sort of want to shake him almost and be like come on like show us what you're made of but he does need that run, doesn't he? The minutes. Otherwise, we we just write him off and leave him on the bench then. You can't, Klopp, I don't think, is willing to do that yet. So I think there will be a decision, you think, made in, in the summer or do Liverpool just sort of keep hoping this player that they thought they were getting is going to show up? Because I know fans are hoping, but you do grow tired. Like Theo made a good point, you do grow weary, don't you? Yeah, of course, it's like you're saying there. You say he needs the minutes, but I mean, when he's getting these minutes and he's getting these chances, I just don't think he's showing enough to prove what, why should he stay in the team ahead of Oxley Chamberlain now. And then you've got like Curtis Jones coming through as well. <coughs> <laughs> but with Oxley Chamberlain, he's made that shirt his own now. He's got to start at the weekend. Um, before we had the players coming back from injury, it was the same midfield trio, wasn't it? It was Henderson, uh, Bernaldum, and Oxley Chamberlain. You think, fair enough, you'd reserved it. And it was the same thing every week. And then now you're looking at it when Klopp's wanted to rotate his players after the mid-season break to see what they've all got. He's had a couple of injuries and Cater's just, he's not delivered. Um, we've seen in other games, if you get at him, he disappears. Norwich got around Norwich, him. Exactly. And in fact, these are games where you think, grab it by the scruff of the neck. This is yours. You're going to have time on the ball. They're going to defend. They're going to sit deep. You can just run at them now. You could be the difference maker and he's not doing it. I was so surprised Chamberlain didn't start because of his goals record against West Ham. It's brilliant. I think he scored more goals against them for Arsenal and us than anyone else. So that was a shock anyway. Maybe Klopp's almost trying too hard to get Cater into the swing of things. Now I think he's sort of answered the question for him and I don't think he'll start the next game. Yeah, definitely. Do you think last night kind of highlighted the fact that Liverpool really, really do need Jordan Henderson? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I was saying on, on our debrief last night, last night I think uh, Henderson... In the, in the form of his career, so any team would miss him at the moment. So the way he's he's been so so combative, he, he snaps into tackles. He's he's so determined that he invariably gets beaten to the ball with the fifty fifties. He's got a great range of passing. He's been so pivotal to Liverpool this season. So you know any team's going to miss the captain, and Liverpool are no different. Um, 
don't think it's going to be it's going to jeopardise anything long term. But yeah, I mean, I think there was a little a little bit of bite missing from the pool um, yesterday, particularly first half. Second half, once the the crowd got behind them they, and they got the tails up, you always felt like they were going to go on to win it. But yeah, definitely Liverpool did miss Henderson a little bit last night. And I'll stick with you and I'll ask all three of you this question. Do you think that that kind of solidifies his credentials to be player of the year this year? Maybe, maybe, yeah. Um, I, I wrote something along the lines in the verdict of I think Van Dijk's getting kind of overlooked because of his consistency mm-hmm. and he hasn't dropped the level at all from what he was doing last season. It's just... You maybe not, yeah, maybe you just notice other players a little bit more this season for Liverpool. Don't think you can name one outstanding candidate for Liverpool to be PFA Players Player of the Year because it's such a team, isn't it? You know, if someone has an off night, someone else will show up, and it's not a, a one man band by any stretch. So I can see why Henderson is getting the calls because if he's not going to win it this season, he probably never will. Um, but it's great that there are so many Liverpool players in, in the arguments and the debate. Yeah, absolutely. I'll come to you next, Keeva. Obviously, it's, it's incredible. This team are made up of sensational, world-class players. Um, but do you think Henderson, particularly this year, has just raised his level just to another... And I don't mean just in terms of how he plays, but everyone around him. Like we said for Van Dijk, so many times he raises the levels around him. It feels like Henderson's done that for just about everyone on the pitch. Yeah, I feel like Henderson almost does it more. You've seen Van Dijk with the captain's armband last night, but wasn't he able to sort of rally and drive the troops as Henderson does? Um you know, I think there was a question, and it wasn't long ago, whether Jordan Henderson should be Liverpool captain. Obviously, now we all know the answer to that one. But, you know, that was a question among fans. Fans were wondering whether he should start games in the past 18 months, two years. He's, he's been absolutely incredible. You know, he's unfortunate that he's injured now. I just feel like he's almost... We obviously know Alexander-Arnold, the fan on the pitch, the scouser in the team, but... Henderson's been here the longest. He just gets in and almost what you saw last night was a drop of, a f- like you feel like he's he almost could be on the cop with you, Henderson, when he's playing. He could be, you know, he's got that like inner fan in him and it drives the team even when, you know, I think he's been the the stalwart for finding ways through. He's always pushed everyone. You'd always see him shouting. I don't know how he does it because he's always red in the face and, you know, probably not breathing too well but he's still barking orders and I feel like you know Van Dijk still does that great and so does Milner and um, other players but I just think Jordan Henderson is a phenomenal player and what he what he's doing actually physically is unbelievable but what he does like just as a feeling of a player is incredible and I think that's why he will be recognised yeah absolutely how desperately really then fear do you think Liverpool are going to need him back for a flutter go um, definitely. I think he's made himself arguably the most important midfielder that Liverpool have got at the moment. Um, in the past, I reckon he's probably had a bit of doubt about himself, like he's gone and proven himself on the pitch so many times. But he's always had that shadow over him, hasn't he? He's not Steven Gerrard. So he's probably thought, do I really deserve to be Liverpool captain? Am I in the same breath as the legends that have gone before me? And then you think the last couple of years, or pretty much since Jurgen Klopp's come in, he had a few spells out through injury. I think he was on the bench the Europa League final when he was coming back. Um, and then when he has been in the team, he's had to be that number six. And it's not because he deserved to be the number six. It's because Liverpool didn't have anyone else who could do the role. They go and sign Fabinho, who's one of the best holding midfielders on the planet. And we've just seen in the past six months, well, actually Henderson's really good at this. He's not just doing it because there's no one else. He can do that job. But then you put him in the number eight and he's one of the best box-to-box midfielders in the league as well. Um, winning the Champions League was a massive moment for him. He's managed to hold up that trophy. It's like, yeah, I deserve this now. I'm here. 
And whilst Gorsty mentioned, you take Van Dijk for granted, you take Salah for granted because they've done it for two, three years. Henderson now we're seeing consistently before he got injured. This is him. This is what he is as a player. This is what all his teammates have been saying about him for so long that he's got the talent. He's that important to a team. We've just had to see him shoehorn into a position that wasn't him. Now he's got that confidence and that belief in himself. Everyone can see how good he really is. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Somebody who certainly was very, very good last night and probably Liverpool's best player was Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, he's coming for a little bit of criticism, some ridiculous criticism from likes of Steve Nicol and others. Fabio Capello even had a chirp after Atletico. Um, fans were getting on his back. Even at halftime last night, I saw some stuff on social media, which is just absolutely mental because I thought he was probably the one that you would say always brought Liverpool to the attack, always caused problems to West Ham. And what did you make of his performance specifically, Gorsley? So it was a complete contrast to the game in Madrid in, in midweek, wasn't it? I was saying earlier, every time Alexander-Arnold gets it, shifts it, I'm always on the edge of my seat thinking this 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 can go anywhere, he'll put this exactly where he wants and, and he's got two or three options that he can easily pick out and um, it's a rarity to have someone, a full-back, to be able to do that. Normally you think of full-backs who might get forward, just get down the line and, and just knock it in hopefully and, and see what happens, but... He's just so measured and, and precise with his passing and his crossing. He's uh, an absolute joy to watch. Um, what f- said a few months back, fast becoming one of my favourite players, 21 years of age, 120-something Liverpool appearances, Champions League winner, will become a Premier League winner. Uh, credit to the City, absolute joy to watch. Uh, I love him. I can't really speak highly enough of him. And... Okay, it was an off night at Atletico, but that happens. That happens to players. It happens to at twenty one years old as well. Exactly. Yeah, you know, you you can't really take him for granted and just assume that he's not going to be, you know, the off night here and there because it's football. And uh, let's just enjoy him because he he could have had a hat trick of assists last night. As it turns out, he's only got two from right back, twelve assists now. Only Kevin De Bruyne's ahead of him. Um, what a player. Yeah, absolutely. Became the first defender to record more than 10 Premier League assists in two seasons. World class, best in the world. Kiva? He's a king, isn't he? The assist king and just a general king. I, I was watching him last night and there was times when you mentioned there when he's so measured. And at times I was watching and from where I was, you could see space opening up. I was like, why isn't he driving into it? And then I was like, hang on, he's got such an incredible temperament that he knows when to drive, when to not, when to hold, when to, you know play one-twos, cross it. He's he's so far beyond where he should be. And, you know, it's it's remarkable, really, is a duel in the crown of Liverpool at the minute. A homegrown player. You couldn't ask for anything more, could you really, from him? He is, I mean, it's almost hard because the, all of them are so good and you can't ever single them all out and give them the moment to shine. But he'll be PFA Young Player of the Year, yeah, undoubtedly. Again. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's the point, isn't it, Theo? All of them do shine. And actually, it was Jamie Carragher last night who said on Sky that Liverpool have probably six out-and-out world-class players, Alisson van Dijk, Trent, and then the front three. Um, he said he would sell one of those players, and that was Mohamed Salah. Um, would you agree with that assessment? Would you sell him in the summer to maybe change a little bit of Liverpool's attack or buy it, bring in two players or anything like that? Um, I don't think any of them will go this year, and I don't think... Jurgen Klopp should look to sell any of them this year but if you're looking to move one on it'll probably be one of the front three just because we've seen how much of an impact Alisson's had we've seen how much of an impact Virgil van Dijk's had on transforming this team 
uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold is unique. You don't want to replace yeah, him at all. Every stays forever. <laughs> and then like Roberto Firmino, he's not got the goals. So you always have the, the match of the day viewers that will go, well, he's the easy one to get rid of. But he offers so much when you watch him in games. He is the reason the wide men get the goals. But then you look at Salah, you look at Mane, there are lots of players like them. Doesn't mean they're as good as them, but they're still young. Like Jaden Sancho, for example, he's scoring so many goals in Germany now. You could bring him in, put him on the left, and he could probably do the job Mane's doing. There are going to be so many other players like that. You could do the same on Salah's side. And it's just that killer instinct to go and deliver in the big moments. When Liverpool signed Mane, when they signed Salah, they weren't really capable of those killer moments. That's why they're at Southampton. That's why they go to Roma before. And it's only when they've come to Anfield that they've stepped up. So there are players out there who could replace them. But when Liverpool have got such chemistry between this front three and they're still delivering, like you wouldn't bet against Salah getting the golden boot again for now, for example. It makes no sense tearing it up when it's still working. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Carragher's assessment does make sense in terms of how much money Liverpool will get for Salah. Some would be out of this world and what they could probably do with it. But as Theo makes a really good point there, the chemistry, the team bond, the thing that they've built is still firing on all cylinders when they're unbeaten in the Premier League. So yeah. what would you make of that? I think I think Salah is the, the, the superstar, isn't he, of this Liverpool team? The one who... Has the moment? Yeah, n- not even not even in terms of on the pitch. The one who you could easily see. Well, we have seen it on the front of magazine covers yeah. in New York. He's got mur- murals of him in New York, and just that whole cultural phenomenon that probably isn't really elsewhere in this Liverpool team. The rest of them are kind of superstars on merit on the pitch, and, and not that Salah isn't, but he's kind of transcended it almost. So you could see why he might be the most valuable uh, player to sell off, but. Um, as Theo says, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, I, I see no real reason to sell Mohamed Salah for for any kind of money because he's so vital to Liverpool. He's top scorer again, by the way. He's, he's up to 19. Another one will be... Plenty of assists as well to match. Exactly, yeah. Another one will be 20 for the third successive season. Last player to do that was Michael Owen in 2003. Um, he's only two behind now, Bamiang and Vardy in, in the, the Premier League scoring stakes, chasing a third straight golden boot. Why would you sell him? Um, I can kind of see Carragher's point of view and, and the, the thought process there, but why do you have to sell any of them for me? Uh, just keep them keep them here for as long as we can. Yeah, fair enough. Could not agree more. Um, we will move on slightly, Kiva, as you're on the cop. And I want to talk about the Anfield atmosphere because I think it probably had a little bit of an effect on Liverpool, actually. After that early goal went in, I thought Liverpool fans maybe thought they were going to roll West Ham. And I thought it sounded to me, watching on TV in the office, a little bit flat. Yeah, well, I got goosebumps when they started after the goal. The uh, second West Ham goal? Uh, the f- Liverpool's first goal, okay. obviously three minutes later, West Ham equalised. But in that lovely three minutes that we had, it was, you know, now you're going to believe us, we're going to win the league. And you do get goosebumps when you're around that and, you you know, you're singing along. And it was in that moment you thought, yeah, we're going to roll roll West Ham over, 4-0, whatever, three, four goals this will be great and then obviously it doesn't happen and that little bit of doubt comes in but I think what this Liverpool team have done have almost transformed the fans' belief in them you know and Klopp you know the famous doubters to believe as Liverpool fans believe now more than ever and it's kind of like get to half time see what's happening you know reassess even it's like you get to 60 70 80 there's always time there always feels like there's time for this Liverpool team and um, being in that crowd like I said that that whirlwind after Salah scored you just felt the the goal was going to come that I can't remember it being that loud since well I, I honestly can't remember the last time it was that loud being on the cop in particular when Salah scored after that it was just like this sort of 
like symphony of just whistles and jeers and boos until Liverpool got the ball back and it was like score now, score now. It was almost, you know, feeding the players and I think it did uh, harness them into getting that that winning goal. But like you said, that I think now you're going to believe us are going to win the league. I don't think that almost helped. Liverpool fans have been very, you know, um, they've chosen the moments well, went to sing and obviously it was first sang after we beat United because that felt like the coming of age victory, yeah, didn't it? yeah. Um, and I think in the 2013-14 season, it was first sang at Old Trafford. You beat United, that's when you sing it, you know, because you know it's <laughs> it's coming home. Obviously, we know how that ended. But I think there's still a little bit of sort of, uh, there's a little percentage in, in the fans that's sort of like, oh, hang on. But I think it's more so in not, not winning the league, it's more so in getting beat. You know, we think maybe the veil could slip at least once or twice before the season's out. And it did feel like it could have, it could have come last night, but I don't know. The, the the fans just seemed to listen to what Jürgen had said in his yeah. programme notes, and it just felt like you know it wasn't it was it was flat at times. But then when when Liverpool needed them, they, you know the fans were there to to call them home, as I said before. Yeah, that's what I was going to come on to next. To be fair, Theo, like the fans really well after that Salah goal went in just delivered and just seemed to lift the players immensely I know the players talked about it after the thing and yeah Klopp talked about it before the match but it, it just speaks volumes about how much effect the crowd can actually have on a game doesn't it yeah definitely like for the first hour the players were going through the motions and I think the crowd was to an extent as well because you look at a struggling West Ham team coming to Anfield when Liverpool haven't lost for however long they haven't lost at home for two and a half three years we're coming up to now they probably just expected to Liverpool to get the job done because we've seen it so many times. Liverpool get the job done, especially they, after the early goals. Yeah. West Ham again they didn't need to up the game. Was at Anfield, and then it's like, oh, we're losing. West Ham fans were very good. We're going to have to up our game here just to silence them. Like you had West Ham fans singing, "We're going to win the league." Yeah. It's a joke. Uh, how <laughs> quite enjoyed bad, that. Too, I'll go. How bad must you be? We're winning away. We've scored away. One all to the Cockney boys. All this sort of stuff. You could hear them all game long. So Liverpool fans had to. Um, and when you've got such a vocal travelling away sport that really got West Ham to rise the levels and it inspired Liverpool late on and it was I'm not going to say it was like a European game but when it's under the floodlights it had that sort of feel late on it's like Liverpool need to get it done and you just expect them to because it's what is special about the club and that's why the fans have got this such a connection with the team with the manager and it all just comes together nicely on the pitch yeah, absolutely. Did you have something to add there? Or? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with, with Kiva when she mentions Klopp and his programme notes. I, I wrote as much in, in the verdict where Klopp was basically urging the fans on, wasn't he, to say, look, you've still got a part to play. Um, let's ensure that you keep the atmosphere up as high as you can and, and that'll help us. And as soon as Fornals made it 2-1, then the cop responded to that and there was no moans or groans or anything like that. It was just straight into singing this team on and that was a massive help. Liverpool really rallied after that and got about 10 corners in a row and then eventually got the equaliser through Salah. And the, the fans have essentially dragged them home and they've still got a, a big part to play between now and, and whenever this league title has won because they showed last night what, what an impact they can have. Yeah, absolutely. Go, so I'll just stick with you for now. Um, there's been a lot of chat after the game that obviously West Ham might have been, or Liverpool might have been lucky, West Ham unlucky, but <coughs> brother Green from David Moyes, etc., etc. But do you think the scoreline perhaps flatters West Ham a little bit? I think Alisson on another day comfortably saves Diop. I think Liverpool marking better probably could stop four nows. You think Van Dijk's had to hit the bar. You think Firmino just overstretching. You think Trent's effort wide, the one saved by. I think there's a lot of chances for Liverpool and Liverpool could have had more goals than they perhaps even got. Liverpool deserve to win. There's no doubt about it. Okay, their equaliser came from a goalkeeping mistake. And if 
nine times out of ten, Fabianski saves that. Dean Henderson saves Wijnaldum's shot at Sheffield United. Just these little things that, that go for you, don't they? And, and sometimes you don't. And Liverpool had the chances, as you say, Van Dijk hit the bar. Firmino should have scored. He could have had a couple, really. Yeah. Still hasn't scored at Anfield, and that that goes on because it, what was it? He's like a yard out and he headed it against the post. There was one in the cop end where he headed it over the bar. Um, they pulled on more than enough to, to come away with, with the, the three points yesterday. And um, okay, it, w- it was a bit fortuitous to make it 2 2, but you know, that, that happens sometimes, doesn't it? So they pull March on and, and on they go. Yeah, it's telling us um, the fortuitousness of these goals and stuff. It's not these goals are coming and it's getting Liverpool towards the league title, it's them staying unbeaten. That shows how good they are. Like teams make yeah. their own luck. It's not even unbeaten, though, is it? It's not even. It's just not yeah. even drawing. It's winning everything. Exactly. That that is how they're going about making the job. And teams have that fear when you face Liverpool, and that's why the mistakes are getting made. Like you see Fabianski, how frustrated he was just with the first goal. That's going to be in his mind now, and to let in a second goal like that as well. I think you could actually see with West Ham's players when Liverpool scored that second key that they were like, "Oh, we know how many late goals Liverpool get," and just dropped off so far and totally changed how they were playing. I think that becomes a thing, doesn't it? Because we know these players watch match of the day and the things like, you know, the highlights of other teams, obviously they're in, you know, lessons getting told how they're going to come up against DC, all these late goals Liverpool scored and that becomes a mental factor then because you just knew it was coming and it was like this feeling and that must have just literally weighed so heavy on the West Ham players. I mean, they had, you know, a good chance, didn't they? Jared Bowen, who's just signed for them. He could have, you know, Alisson again, just, just showing, showing his absolute, um, just, he's just incredible, another yeah. incredible man, player, um, leader on the pitch. And it did kind of feel like this is, this is going to happen. And it did, you know, the same with Aston Villa, you never, ever lose that hope, even when Liverpool go behind, which is so, so rare. Um, I felt like it was just, you got this feeling that they just knew if we drop two points here, we're just two points further away from our goal. We want to, we want to eat that as soon as possible. You know, you want to get there and enjoy it as soon as we can. And you kind of feel that with this Liverpool team, the hunger now feels more so that the the closer to it than ever, but almost further away as well. It's just, and it, it was so so important to get that because two points drop, you'd just be looking then, and it'd be fourteen points where it's twelve points to go. That is ridiculous that we're in February and it's 12 points to go. Yes, what the hell? Certainly so. Um, just before we move on to one of the final points, do you think Liverpool have got a bit of a luxury now with what we were saying there, you know, West Ham dropping off after that second goal thinking, oh no, Liverpool are probably going to get a late goal here. I think it's perhaps the luxury City had last season where teams would face City thinking we're probably not going to win. Yeah. When's it to go one up or come close or equalise and then thinking, well, that's, that's almost it. And now I feel like Liverpool are on the, have that shoe on their foot now. Yeah, definitely. I think when, when you were you were watching the title race unfold last season, you were watching pretty much every Manchester City game, weren't you, alongside the Liverpool ones and you wanted, obviously, the opposition to win. And um, City invariably scored an early goal and then, and then that was it. And it was like, OK, these teams aren't actually having a go. The only, the only team I ever remember really trying to lay a glove on City in that running was, was Tottenham and, and they probably should have scored on another day but I think City won at 1-0 through an early Phil Foden goal everyone remembers that company goal against Leicester don't they but City probably deserved to win that one as well so maybe Liverpool are getting the benefits of something similar now where teams think these lads are unbeaten they've only dropped two points all season how on earth are we going to produce a performance good enough to beat them and it's going to take something special to knock Liverpool out the stride now in this Premier League they've only lost two, what 
we'll exclude the Aston Villa game in the Carabao Cup. So they've only lost two all season, both away from home against top-class European opposition who were intent on digging in and, and sitting deep and, and defending well in numbers with a lot of quality. Maybe that's the in blueprint. home stadiums. Exactly, yeah. In, in, in intimidating home stadiums. Maybe that's the blueprint to beat Liverpool and, and they don't come across that every week, do they? No, certainly not. Liverpool are absolutely marching on, as we've said, Theo, um, and they are currently 22 points clear at the top of the Premier League ahead of Manchester City. Um, City have a League Cup final against Aston Villa coming up and that means Liverpool are going to play twice before City's next game. Liverpool could be 28 points clear by the time City go to United. What effect could that have? Not at all, because City know they've already lost it. Let's I be mean, honest. in terms of <laughs> City trying to stay pace, stop Liverpool winning it the earliest possible, stop Liverpool letting them win it before Atletico come to Anfield, so many things. I don't think it really has that much impact at all, just because it is going to be so early. Um, what we're looking at now is when are Liverpool going to win it? And it's if City drop points, it could be at Goodison. Um, if Liverpool get through in the FA Cup, it might have to be at the Etihad. And that's only really when you think, what's going to happen here you can delay it properly because let's face it it's going to happen it's going to happen sooner rather than later the only question is where it comes and you look at um, say it had to go to the Etihad game that's the game I sort of worry about just because we saw City's Centurions um, I think they were tunnel up against Manchester United in the derby they lost 3-2 yeah. so you think if Liverpool go into the Etihad winning that game to stay unbeaten to uh, I think it would be equal Arsenal's 49 game run and then to win the title that's when you think this might be too much. But at the same time, Jurgen Klopp said, next game is always the most important. The next three points are always the most important. They approach every game the same way. It doesn't matter how far behind City are because they've got so much breathing space they know they're going to get the job done. Do you agree there, Kiwi? Do you think it's just pressure off City now? It's Liverpool's to just... No one else No one else is even matter. I think there's a little bit of pressure on City and it's not in terms of, you know, winning the title because they're not going to win it now. Liverpool are going to win. Um I think it's not even him regaining points and getting as close as he can because finishing second is literally all he can do. It'll be 20-odd points comfortable, I think. I think the one thing for them will be just thinking about maybe next season. They've got all this band stuff coming around there. They'll be thinking, you know, how how far off can we finish from Liverpool without it being something that's going to carry into the next season? And another thing is they won't want to welcome the champions to the Etihad. So... These next few games for them, they're going to be going all out. Similarly to Man United when they didn't want to let City win the league, you know, against them. I think City are going to do that now, hoping Liverpool slip up a little bit so that they don't have to welcome the champions to the Etihad. I think that's where they're at now and Liverpool have put them in that position. Well, what a luxury that is for Liverpool FC. Um, I think that probably just about concludes our podcast today um, thank you very much for listening Liverpool are rumbling on to Watford on Saturday and where they can go 25 points clearing be 9 points away from the first Premier League title thank you very much you've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo